following is a presentation of the Church of the Living God in Traverse City, Michigan. As Anthony said, my name's Dan Slater, uh, and it's, it's a privilege to be here this morning and to, to be able to speak to all of you. Um, another thing you mentioned was, you know, over the last faithful of weeks, uh, testimonies from different people uh, in our congregation here, testimonies of God's faithfulness. Um, you could probably relate to a lot of what they shared the faithfulness of God is, is um, something that he extends to each of us in the church, the way he loves us, the way he cares for us, the way he pours into us so that we can serve others. <clears throat> All these, these stories that um, were shared the last couple of weeks, it just showed this outworking of grace in, in their lives. Um, and that's how God works in the lives of all of us who belong to the broader church community. Um, so this morning, I wanna talk more specifically about the church community. Um, so not just CLG, but just broad church in general. You know, why do we meet each week? What's the purpose? Those are good questions. Uh, um, so this morning I want to remind us of who it is that we gather together for and why, it is, why it's so crucial that we do that regularly. Um, over my years here, I've seen the ebb and flow of church life about 33 years now. Um, I've, I've seen people come and go, I've seen music styles change, I've seen the building expansions, um, I've watched God do marvelous things here in people's lives, many of you sitting in this room, and as the gospel's been pre- preached e- each week, I've seen forgiveness extended between brothers and sisters, but there's also been some wounds received by people, and sometimes they never seem to be fully mended. But <clears throat> let me be clear, I'm, I'm really... I am pro-church, especially CLG. So everything I'm sharing this morning, um, I want you to know my heart. That, that's where I'm coming from. And uh, I grew up here. I call this place home. And I know the vast majority of you probably do that as well. So all in all, it's uh, those of us who call this place home, we're broken people who are, as a family, we're clinging to the cross and we're growing in maturity and love for Christ and one another. Um, I'm far from, from arriving at that, though, from, from loving you all well, from, from loving God well. I need his grace, and I know my 33 years that I've been here at this church, it's, it's just a drop in the bucket. Um, some of you were here long before me, and you probably took care of me in Sunday school in the nursery. And <laughs> um, So I, I want to, I, I'm aware of that, but um, I just, I humbly want to, just remind us, all of us this morning, of some of the aspects of why it is that we meet together each week and uh, what it is that the church is called to do here on a Sunday and then throughout the week at our homes and our jobs and everything we're doing. Um, so my aim is to provoke you uh, and myself to love and good deeds. We're going to read more about that here in a second. Maybe you're very loving and a hospitable person. There's lots of you in here. Um, we certainly have many in this congregation, but, but I'm going to challenge you and provoke you to dig a little deeper. Maybe you're one who doesn't come here regularly for a broad number of reasons. You might have a crazy work schedule, there might be health issues, family life is difficult, there's car trouble, sports schedule. Maybe sometimes that pillow just feels a little too comfortable. But I'm going to challenge you and invite you to come more often and to be a part of this church family weekly. Maybe you can count on one hand the number of times you've volunteered to serve in different capacities. So I'm gonna hopefully challenge you to serve more and to, 
to see God to see if there's more for you to do, more ways you can plug in, and we'll, we'll talk about that more later. Um, before I continue, I, as always, there's notes on the back tables if you need it, and we'll have some slides up there that Anthony threw the slides together for me this week. That was awesome. But let's uh, read in Hebrews 10. <clears throat> the writer of Hebrews gives a powerful reminder and encouragement to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And it's one we can apply to ourselves as well. So we read, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So number one. I'm just going to kind of grab a few uh, points out of the passage. Number one, let us. Stop there. Two words. Let us. Who is the us he's talking about? It's the church. So he was addressing the, the Jewish Christians, like I said, in the church of Jerusalem, many of which were facing persecution at that time. So let's, let's define the word church first. Um, Another aside here. I know this is review for a lot of you that you've heard all these verses about the church, all these terms. Um, and I also want to acknowledge that the topic of church may be a sore subject for some of you or some of you close to you. Um, you, you might associate church with past wounds caused by those who claimed the name of Christ. There might be people in here who have offended you. Um, these sorts of stories break the heart of God. And he offers grace and healing to a bunch of messed up people and broken people who are growing and maturing to be more like Christ. So, again, maybe that's you. There's baggage that comes along with this word, but uh, I want to remind you of who it is that you are as a member of this body and what it is that you're called to do for the sake of Christ's name and, and for our good. Wayne Grudem, um, in a book called Christian Beliefs, 20 Basic basics every Christian should know. He devotes a portion of that book to um, talking about the church itself. What is the church? Uh, what, what is the church? What are its functions? So he describes the church this way. He says, the church is a community of true believers for all time. That is, the church is made up of all men and women who have been, they are, or whoever will be true believers in Jesus. Pretty simple, huh? Um, so you'll find in the New Testament, where the word church is used to describe various gatherings of the believers. There's small house churches. You see that in a lot of Paul's letters where he's writing to these, these churches, so Priscilla and Aquila. Um, you'll see all these references up there. There's the church in a large city. This is the church of Corinth, Thessalonica. All the, again, all these, lots of these cities that the, the apostolic letters are addressed to. The church of an entire region. The church throughout the entire world. Um, there's also this other imagery and metaphoric language that we see all throughout the Bible describing the church. Like we are members and parts of one body, which is Christ uh, as the head of the, he is the head of that body. There's a new temple, a holy priesthood, branches on a vine, an olive tree, a field of crops, lots of agricultural language because that was a lot of the audience um, that Jesus was speaking to when he was uh, giving these images. Grudem goes on to say, every church should attempt to fulfill three main purposes God created it for, for worship, nature, or sorry, nurture, and evangelism and mercy. 
One purpose is not more important than the other. No church should seek to make one purpose primary to the neglect of the others. Instead, with the full confidence in Christ's promise that he will build his church, he will build his church, every church should wholeheartedly seek to worship God, build its members to maturity, and preach the good news of the gospel to the world in word and in deed. That's definitely the goal here at CLG. Number two, we hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. So you'll hear uh, Anthony talk a lot about closed-handed issues and open-handed issues that we have. Um, those closed-handed ones, the, the, the beliefs that we hold in that closed hand, things like the Trinity, that God is the creator, that Jesus is the son of God, that he was crucified, that he rose from the dead, all these t- sorts of things, that the, the Bible is the authoritative word of God. Those things we hold in our in a closed hand, we don't budge on those. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, that's where those those beliefs belong. But there's open-handed things, things that we might disagree on, things that it's okay to have different viewpoints and to to discuss things with one another. Iron sharpens iron, right? So like mode of baptism, views of end times, gifts of the Holy Spirit, worship styles, all sorts of things like that that we have differing opinions on. Those are good things to discuss. But the hope we profess is in Christ. That's in our closed hand, his death and his resurrection. Those are the truths that we hold tightly, we don't waver from. Paul describes them this way. Uh, In 2 Corinthians, he said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And again in Colossians, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So at Church of the Living God, we hold unswervingly to that hope in Jesus, right? There's no other name given to mankind by which we must be saved. So in Hebrews it goes on, he who promised is faithful. Who's the he? That's Jesus, of course. And as I mentioned earlier, we've heard testimonies over the years Yeah, over the years, (laughs) and also the last couple weeks on Sunday, about God's faithfulness, because this is who God is in each of our lives. Um, I'm a father of four, and you'll see those rascals running around out there after service, I'm sure. Um, One of the things that I strive to do with them is to keep my promises, and I don't always do it, and it feels awful. I tell them that I'm going to do something or that I'll, I'll work with them on something the next day and then I get busy or I get lazy or whatever and it feels horrible. But I'm thankful that Jesus fulfills his promises, that he doesn't lie, that he keeps them, all of them. And Jesus is faithful. The church belongs to him and he's the head of it. He's also the head of the body, the church. This is in Colossians. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. So just take heart this morning that Jesus is faithful. He who promised is faithful, and he will do all that he says he will do in in this community and in, in your lives. Number four, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So this is the part where we put our faith into action. Right? We respond to our generous, faithful Savior. If you are part of this church, part of this family, what what role do you play? What gifts do you have? And how can you generously love and serve others? 
for their good and for God's glory. I want you to think about that this morning. In Philippians, this is a great passage. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. It's a key word there, servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So you might say, that's a, that's a tall order. It's easier said than done to imitate Jesus, have the mind of Jesus, to, to do nothing out of selfish ambition, vain conceit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but Paul, he was writing to everyday people like you and me. So the church in Philippi, it, it was a group of people just like us with families and, and lives and jobs, and he was encouraging with that. Just everyday people. Kind of, you look around the room and you see the types of people who come here and we're, we're tough to love it sometimes, right? I know, I know that I am. We're, we're, all, we're all rough around the edges. And if you've gotten to know me at all, um, you'll, you'll notice that I don't, you know, I don't always look out for others. I love to think about my own interests at times. And boy, valuing people above myself I'm prone to pride and selfish ambition. Anybody else? That's who we are. But God is gracious with us, and he's slow to anger and rich in love. And he gives us that call to, to pursue that, to pursue having the attitude of Christ and serving. So how do we do that? How can we pursue right relationship with one another? Um, being in this church community is our opportunity to practice the 100 or so one another's that we find in Scripture. All throughout the New Testament, you'll see love one another, serve one another, strengthen, be patient with one another, be accountable, instruct one another. Got a whole list up there. So th- that's quite the list. And, and a lot of these, they specifically apply to those in the church, those within our family here. But Jesus even tells us to love our neighbor, which really it's, it's anybody. Anybody that you see, anybody that you're around daily, who's suffering, who's wounded, needy, um, loving just about anybody requires supernatural power and, and, and strength from God. It requires, it requires his spirit. Loving... Um, especially when it's agape love. That's the kind of love he calls us to, the self-sacrificial love. And he goes even further. He widens the circle. He's, he says, love your enemies, too. Not only, the, not only the people who are pretty easy to get along with, but he says, love your enemies, those who persecute you. We're called to love them because he loves them. <clears throat> we, have to, we have to love them with a self-giving, self-emptying love. Uh, that's a part of the great commission that Christ gave 
we can love as Jesus loves only when we stay close to him, if we're abiding in him, like he, he tells us to do in, in John. One of the ways we stay close to him is in the community of people that Jesus gives to us. It's in his church. So how do we practically do that? Um, our aim is to serve like Christ. It doesn't matter our age. Now you can put yourself whatever category you want here, but young people, we need you in this church to set a godly example. Don't sell yourself short. And to the older generation, we need you in this community too. You have wisdom and experience that, that young people like myself don't have. And we need you. And like I said, put yourself, you, you decide you're in the young category or the old category. I'll leave that up to you. But we need each other. We have experience and, and wisdom to share and gifts. So what specific gifts do you have? Uh, maybe, you, maybe you just need to ask somebody if you're not sure. Sometimes you might be the person who notices, notices a particular skill or gift in someone else and they're waiting for you to go over to them and to say, hey, I, I see that you, you're gifted in this area. You seem to, you know, God seems to be leading you this way. Sometimes they need somebody like that. Put an arm around them and tell them, Let, let's do this. Let's work together. They're just waiting for that encouragement. Below you'll see a, a list of the gifts that you'll find in the New Testament. Um, just quite a few there. To go into great depth on all that would, would be another sermon. Um, I don't have time for looking at each one of these this morning. And just for the sake of my theme this morning, I want to just look at those gifts of serving and giving and hospitality, helping, those sorts of things. Real easy, attainable things. So as we look at that, that list, the byproduct of using those gifts and practicing the one another's is the blessing of a poured out life sustained by God's grace. It's our sanctification. What does that look like? I think real practically, it's when you hear of a need that someone has within, now we're talking within this church family specifically. You hear of a need that somebody has, you be the one to volunteer. It's as easy as that. You use your talents and your expertise to help somebody. You know of a family that's struggling financially and you know that you can spare a few bucks, you open your wallet and you give them the money. Maybe sometimes you can't spare that money, but maybe you give it anyway, and then you watch how God shows himself faithful to you. You open up your home. When you say you're gonna pray for someone, you really do it. And then, you, and then maybe you check back with them and see how they're doing and follow up with them. You invest part of your time pouring into people who are younger than you and seeking the counsel of those who are older than you. You give words of encouragement to those who are struggling. Now, you do all this prayerfully, for sure, and you ask the Spirit's guidance and wisdom. And I'm not saying that any of those things that you forfeit your, your priorities within your family and your finances, um, we need to be good stewards of those things. Uh, but at the same time, there's plenty of examples in Scripture where, um, and maybe even people you know, who they were extravagant givers but they saw the fruit of it and they saw the provision of God in their lives. So there's, there's a tension there, right? We're called to this great thing of serving and helping and pouring ourselves out. But it, it, sometimes it leads to suffering and feeling the pinch in the wall a little bit. Um, and by the way, again, this is all 
I'm talking to myself here too. Um, and, and a lot of these examples I used, uh, I use those because those are ways that you in this church have poured into my family with, with my wife and I, um, and we're grateful for that. And so Emily and I, we're constantly, we're constantly challenged to grow and are we giving and serving and, and what are areas that we can, we can grow in. Um, so Philippians tells us to have the same attitude of Christ. That's what that passage starts with. Um, and I think if that's not you, if, if your heart doesn't break when you hear of a need or when you see just broken people around you, if your heart doesn't break or if you're constantly thinking of yourself and you don't really even have a desire to serve others or, or you're always thinking, ah, someone else will take care of them. Um, I think if that's you, then you need to check your heart because, boy, if, if the Holy Spirit is living within you and transforming you to be more like Christ, our, our, our hearts should be breaking when we see need and, and we should be compelled to help somehow or seek those who can help. I think, I think we're missing out on something if, if we don't take advantage of those opportunities. I think we rob others of a work that God can do in their lives through, through our love and service towards them when we decide not to be obedient and serving or going out of our comfort zone. I think we rob ourselves of a deeper, more moving uh, transformation that can occur within us. We rob our kids of the example of seeing faith lived out in service with our family and within this broader church family. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you don't have kids, but there's lots of kids running around in this place. God bless Kim and Carl, because they, they take care of a lot of them. So if we're not serving, um, we, we rob them of that example, all these kids within this body. We have baby dedications here quite often, and as a church, we, we are, um, we're given the opportunity to agree in loving and helping these children as, as their parents raise them and, and doing what we can. So but one of the best ways we can do that is by setting godly examples of servanthood and of sacrificial love. Um, now, I don't want to downplay that there are seasons in your life where you just can't serve, where you can't, you can't do much of anything. We all go through those. I mean, you might be... You might be a mother with a newborn. You might be someone who has been visiting the doctor a lot. You might be in a lot of pain. You may have experienced loss. And it's just, it's everything you can do to get out of bed in the morning. Um, if, if that's you, then I don't want you to feel the obligation of, of having to serve and pour yourself out. You are the ones... If, you, if you're in that category, you're the ones who we as a church should be pouring into you and us to carry your load. That's where we need to step up. So the hurting and the, those around us who, who are in that category, we as a church step up and take care of them. In his book, The Church of Irresistible Influence, Robert Lewis says this, but sanctification bound in print and tied in theory is nothing if it doesn't translate into real life change. 
the movement from one room to another, from preoccupied self-absorption to radical and sacred self-giving is the movement of faith in the real world and to the real world, the very places where ministry and life get messy. So serving and giving of our time and our money, it's costly and it, it stretches us and it can be scary sometimes and it causes us to rely more on God's provision and strength. But by God's grace at work within this community and in his spirit's empowerment, we can go from anxious to committed, from fearful to courageous, from lonely to connected, from needy to fruitful, confused to focused, or protective to productive. We can do that as a church community. Number five, don't give up meeting together. So you walk in on a Sunday morning. Hopefully you're greeted by someone out in the lobby. And then if you're not greeted by Ted Smith or Pete Teal with a hug within 10 minutes or so, you will be, just watch out. They're kind of like Liam Neeson when it comes to greeting. They've got a particular set of skills. They will hunt you down, they will find you, and they will greet you. And we need more of them. We'd all learn a lesson from their example. So we come in a few minutes before 10, and then we sing together corporately. There's all sorts of verses. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise. We speak to another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We do that corporately. We sing corporately. You cannot corporately sing together if you're at home. So we sing. We hear the preaching of the word. All scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness. The gospel has been faithfully preached here from day one. And so each morning we, we can receive that. We share the Lord's Supper like we did this morning. We celebrate baptisms. We pray together. You pray up here, you pray in a prayer room, you pray in the lobby, you pray at your seat. As a family, we can pray together and take care of those needs. We attend classes, and while all this is going on, there's people serving you. There's people greeting you, there's ushers helping you, there's volunteers in the nursery and Sunday school taking care of your kids. There's a worship team up here leading worship. There's teachers teaching classes. And then Wednesdays, we have Awana, we have youth group, we have classes. I could go on and on. Throughout the, the year, there's Thomas Judd, there's small groups, single moms, touching hearts. I know I'm missing some, but prayer team, there you go. The point is there's no lack of opportunities to plug in and serve. So why go to church? You might be sitting there thinking, why do I even come here? What's the point? I I don't feel plugged in. I don't have anything to offer. or It's boring. It's full of hypocrites. You fill in the blank. Maybe sometimes that's all you can do to get out of bed, get the kids ready. My wife does that every single week because I come in here early for rehearsal, so she knows getting the kids ready, getting them out the door. Life happens in the mornings. Sometimes they're tough. Life, life has chewed you up and spit you out during the week. I've been there. There's health issues. You're depressed. There's a myriad of reasons. But please come because this is the place where you can meet with God's people. Jesus offers grace and peace through his spirit and through his people. That's what we ought to be doing. That's what he empowers us to do. So we need all of you here.
Otherwise, if, if the excuses, um, maybe you have other excuses. Maybe the pillow, it's just too comfortable. So Saturday night just went too long. If, if you profess to be a Christian, yet there's next to no interest in coming each week here, perhaps the truth is that your priorities just need to be reassessed. Maybe you're burnt out, but maybe your heart is hard. And maybe we've all been there at times. Christ is robbed of his worship, and others are robbed of the opportunity to benefit from your gifts and your testimony. Don't, don't belittle what you have and the ways that Jesus has gifted you. There's no biblical evidence of Christians in the New Testament who didn't attend church gatherings. Paul, he'd write to the church in Ephesus, Galatia, Rome. He wrote these letters, right? It wasn't to the Christians we see each year at the Christmas service. The Christians to whom the author of Hebrews was writing, they were facing persecution. He was encouraging them not to forsake the assembly. I have yet to meet anybody in northern Michigan who didn't attend a church service because of fear of death. There's so many in the church, in the West especially, that we put such a low priority on a Sunday gathering, and that shouldn't be so. The world is looking for Christians who authentically live out the gospel, ones who know the truth of scripture, who love and serve authentically and radically just as Jesus did, who live out the gospel. Those sorts of Christians are forged in authentic gospel community in the local church, period. So this working out of salvation in the beautiful mess of community is the place that God has designed for our sanctification. It's in this community that we love each other and benefit one another. We provide others opportunities to grow. We encourage each other to grow like Christ. We grow in our knowledge and understanding of our faith. As we hear the sermon, as we're in the classes, as we're talking with one another, Like the early church, we strive to take care of those around us so that needs are met. We love and serve for God's glory and the good of the people and then the good of the community. We strive to be imitators of Christ who emptied himself and took on the form of a servant. Let's be known as a church who loves and serves sacrificially, not for our fame, but for the fame of Jesus and the furtherance of his kingdom. I hope you hear my heart in all this this morning. I'm, I'm wrapping up here, but I, I love this church, and there's many of you here who, like I said, I've grown up here and I've watched many of you serve and love and give hours and hours and hours, blood, sweat, and tears. But more, more than that, Jesus loves this church and he's the head of it. And wouldn't it be great if CLG was known as, as the church who sacrificially loved our community, a church who who just poured into each other 
and to a church where there was no needy ones among them. That is a tough thing to, to say because I know that in saying that it requires me to to, to hold on to my possessions and, and my time loosely. But I hope you, you hear this, everything this morning as an encouragement and, and uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Let me pray and then Ted is gonna come up and uh, just give a brief announcement. Lord, thank you for, for your church for this place where we can gather, this building where we meet, just as a community of sinners who are saved by grace, ones who you love, ones who you, you empower and you, you give gifts to so that we can pour into others and so that Christ is made much of. I pray that we would we would just consider how it is that you have gifted us. We would consider how it is that maybe we could press in just a little bit more. That we would examine our, our time and our schedules and our, our budgets. And that we would just be open most of all to your spirit's leading as we do that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of the Church of the Living God. For more information, please visit us at clgonline.org.